spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. I love this passage, and what it says is that God has positioned everybody, you, he's speaking to you, he's positioned you at this certain place in time and given you special gifts, talents, experiences, for the purpose of adding value to the people around you, that we bring heaven to the people that where God has us placed at this particular time. And we're to be proactive in keeping our relationship with God afresh, he says, fan into flame. So we've asked John to talk to multiple generations, from young to very old. <laughs> John, talk to us, please. Tim. Um, I'm John Liesfeld, uh, and so we have a panel here, you know, and, and we're going to talk about sort of interactions between generations and investing, um, investments that happen uh, intergenerationally in, instead of intragenerationally. Um, I remember I sat down uh, about a year ago with my wife, and I said, you know, I, I talk a big game about, you know, interacting with a diverse, diverse group of people and not surrounding myself in an echo chamber. I said... You know where I don't really do that is generationally sometimes. I'm most comfortable, I think, and, and I seek out, I think, people in my own generation. Um, and I think, for me at least, and, and, and some people are different with that, but I think, uh, for me at least, it, it's helpful to sort of understand, um, you know, the results, the benefits, the, the, how, it, how it looks, doing it more intergenerationally more often. So... As, as Tim said, we have a panel of, uh, we've got a diverse panel here today. We've got a diverse group uh, out here. And so, first of all, why don't you just go through, introduce yourselves, and then just tell us kind of what you, what you do every day, and then maybe something else that you like to do in your free time. Um, my name's Sydney Logan. I'm 17, and I I'm, go to Southeast. Um, I just do a lot of sports. Um, I'm involved in Young Life. Yeah. So what year were you born then? 2004. So 2004, same age as my son, so this would be Gen Z, correct. All right, go ahead. Um, I'm Andrew Smith. I work for a living. I'm an accountant. It's pretty great. I'm married to Katie Horan. She hasn't been here yet. Um, <laughs> and I love basketball, so go Tar Heels today. Ooh. Born in 1996. Okay, so you would be the millennial then. Correct. Also, the coolest dressed accountant I've ever seen in my life, by the way. Um, yeah. Angelina. Um, I'm Angelina. I am married to Eric Greiners, and we have three kids, Gracie, Noah, and Hope. I um, homeschool Gracie and Noah, and that's what I do during the day, <laughs> is hang out with my kids. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't thought much about what I do in my free time. <laughs> um, I like to be outside, and I love to spend time with family and friends. And I was born in 1984. 84. So you are on the, on the, right on the end of their Gen X, Gen Y-ish. All right. And Mike. I'm Mike Hofler. been married 36 years to Jill. Four kids, five grandkids, and um, love to do children's ministries of all types. And um, I was born in 1963. Oh, sporting events. I have season tickets for football and basketball. And my heart is heavy these days. <laughs> oh, man. Don't get really me started. Ruin, we could eat up this panel real my quick. Sundays, but now it's like I'm used to it, and that's so sad. But I will live and die Husker. So, so do you identify as a boomer? 
I mean, I don't want to put titles yeah. on you here. I do. But. I do. Okay. 1963. I yeah. think 64 is the youngest boomer. So yeah, you're probably. I'm a young boomer. Yeah. Yeah, you're a young boomer. Kidding, that's yeah. fine. That's, yeah, that, that's good. All right, so we're going to do a little, just to kind of show the diversity here in this thing real quick, I'm going to do a little exercise, and everybody in the whole place can participate in this. So I just want to see a hand, see a show of hands of how many people have done or experienced these various things, and maybe we'll get kind of a sense of the different generational experiences that we have. Okay. How many people, you guys and you guys, have the Instagram app on your phone? <laughs> yes, it worked just like I wanted to up here. <laughs> how about how many have seen the movie The Godfather? Oh, okay. All right. How many have used a rotary dial phone? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, how many of you has watched the TV show Rugrats? <laughs> how many of you have taken a uh, camera film to a store to be uh, developed? <laughs> how many of you can name a song by the band BTS? Oh, oh, oh no. Man. All right. How many of you used a trapper keeper when you went to school? Oh. <laughs> okay. How many of you attended an event at Pershing Auditorium? Okay. How many of you uh, know what the phrase no cap means? <laughs> uh, how many of you has listened to music on eight tracks? <laughs> All right. And how many of you have played the video game Minecraft? <laughs> okay. That kind of went like I thought it would for the most part. All right. So I, I guess I want to start more, like generally, we'll get into specifics later. And you guys jump in, anybody who has a thought on this. But I, I, I'm wondering, what are the, you know, I talked about, you know, I kind of, I think, get drawn to my own generation a lot of times, and especially in those kind of investing relationships. But when you interact either just on a tangential basis during the day or even a more deep relationship with people in different generations as opposed to your own generation, like, what's the, di what's, what's the difference? How is it, or is it different for you at all just in those everyday or more detailed sort of interactions that you've got intergenerationally? Anybody jump in with thoughts? I mean, I think for me in my work, I, being an accountant, I, like, deal with a lot of older people mm. and but then I also have youth groups so that balances it out mm -hmm. um, but I feel like yeah at work I it's very everyone talks about their kids and I right. can't necessarily relate to that yet um, so yeah I think that's a little like different for me um, yeah I think that's probably like, the do biggest you, difference do people do you feel like I don't know do you ever feel like this or not that you sort of have to feel like you've got to think more about what to bring up to talk about oh that's good um, well, since marrying Katie, I like. I think before that, I probably would have been like, I have no idea what to say. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like pretty good at asking questions. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, because she's very good. So I think go, that's like helped a lot. Of yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just like I think I'm always prepared. And so, how much does just do it like asking questions? How much does that change and make it easier? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on persons. Like, like if they're willing to offer information, I think that makes me more willing to offer information. Um, and I think maybe older generations. I think I, I think I see younger people like, like they, they know me and they kind of were like more on the same page, I guess, and so we're more willing to share like deeper things. I think. Any of us? Do you have anything to add? Agree with that? Have the same experience, for the most part? Yeah, you know, I think about probably a lot of my experience in, with 
the older generation, I guess you could say, is like even family. Like I think about my grandparents and or I think about just um, people in the church who come up and greet me and my family and want to know, want to know me. That makes it easier than to offer information. Um, and and like I feel like that that really helps like just this kind of taking initiative with me. And then even with my grandparents, I think there's times where kind of the asking questions thing, it's like sometimes I, I didn't know. And then I got married to my husband, and he's also an amazing question asker. And he'd ask them all these questions. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even know you went through that. I didn't mm-hmm. even know you had that life experience. So I guess just becoming a good question asker kind of um, mm-hmm. does sure help. But then also willing to offer the information on the other end. Yeah. Is, and I'm, as I'm showing here, asking the questions is easy. <laughs> Getting the answers is hard. So you got to you yeah. know, do the easy part right. in that relationship. Is there ever any concern whether you're dealing, interacting with people younger or older than you, that they're, I mean, I kind of have this in the back of my mind sometimes, that there's going to be sort of a stereotype of your generation one way or the other, and that, that, that factors in, or is that not something, think about, have you been able to get over that? What's, what's that been like? Have any of you had experiences like that? Um, yeah, I feel like for my generation, it's easy to see that we're like disconnected with like social media and everything, but I think with my friends and just the people I know, that's not the case. Like, we know each other, we love each other, and it's easy to talk. Do you think you, your generation, Gen Z especially, gets characterized unfairly sometimes by large, larger society? Yeah, I think it's easy to do that, considering, like, what you see today. Yeah. Yeah, because the thought is, right, you're always on your phone, right? I mean, and you don't have personal relationships, and I assume that's not true of you and, and a lot of the people that you interact with. Anybody else have that experience? Which you just kind of feeling those, Mike, any of those experiences where you, you're, you've, you've at least got those in the back, of the back of your mind or you've gotten over them? Sometimes, like, people think, I love technology, and people think you're too old to love technology, and not, <laughs> you can't be good at it, and I'm actually not an expert, but I'm pretty good at technology, so sometimes um, I feel like I get stereotyped like that, but, um, yeah, and I, I guess I could maybe... Um, see where the younger generation gets stereotyped as always on their phone and not interacting as well face to face but um, it's not always true and I work with a couple young guys at the uh, financial advising place that I work at and they they do a good job interacting with people so uh, yeah I can see the stereotypes there but um, yeah I can I can see where they're not not always true sometimes they are but Mm -hmm. you can't just generalize Mm -hmm. the whole generation that way. Well, and Andrew, you're supposed to be spending all your money on avocado toast and not owning a home and doing all those things, and so far that's not happening for you, evidently. I, I do love avocado toast, but... <laughs> there it is. Never mind. Okay, so let's... Uh, let's, um, let's just kind of go down the line. Um, we'll, we'll start with Mike and come back this way. Give me an example of, of one of um, those relationships, and like I said... Um, it, may be, it may be a really deep relationship, but so, something that's kind of stuck out to you, an interaction, a relationship, younger or older, that you've had with someone that influences you and that really sort of, Tim was talking about bringing heaven into, into your life, that, that's done that for you. Mike, what's one for you? So I want to hark back to probably 50 years ago. I was a grade school kid on the bus, and this man named Paul Crosby... He had a bus ministry to take kids to Sunday school. So on Saturday night, 
he, or during the day actually, he'd knock on our door and say, are you coming to Sunday school tomorrow so the bus can come? And they'd get a, pic, a pixie stick. If you said yes, you got the pixie stick. If you didn't, you wouldn't get it. Bribery. <laughs> I Good have to, to admit, my, so four kids, so I'm the youngest of four. I have two sisters and a brother. And a couple times my brother and I took the pixie sticks and pretended we were sleeping in and watched cartoons that morning. But anyway, besides that. Um, so we're on the bus one day. Um, so Paul was faithful in that. So then on Sunday, he would be the bus assistant, and he'd knock on the door, and I'd be the first one out. My other siblings would be trailing, and he'd say, keep up the good work. So he encouraged me in that. But one day I saw the love of Jesus in the most powerful way that has impacted me for my whole life. Um, so we went to pick up the Poshnicker kids. These kids were obviously neglected. They couldn't speak very clearly, they were rowdy, and this particular morning, Larry was in true form, and Larry gets on the bus, he's trying to find a seat, but he's, he's messing with people all the time, he's annoying them, and the kids in the back are like, get out of here, Larry, and so he starts the way back, and keep, kids keep pushing him away, pushing away, finally he comes in the middle with Paul Crosby, and Paul's a big guy, like me, and he just reached out and said, he just needs a little love, and he gave him a big hug, and Larry just sat down and just um, leaned into him and just behaved the rest of the way, and that was, you know, Paul wasn't planning that event, um, he wasn't mentoring me, but I just observed that as a kid, and it has stuck with me till today, just showing the love of Jesus to, to kids, and it was just a powerful thing. So that was, just, that was even just an event, like something that, you know... Just a moment, basically, yeah. of, of that inter- interaction right. of, of someone showing, showing their love. And that you still can recall in that detail today, names and all. Wow. All right. Um, Angelina. Can you say the question? Yeah. Just an example of, of someone um, in your life, just from an, another generation that you've either had a small interaction with or a large relationship with that has sort of, that, is, that has impacted you. Um. Goodness, I feel like there's a lot, but I'm gonna hone in on my youth pastor. Um, we, I went to a church um, that, when it was time for me to go into youth group, they would just kept having youth pastor after youth pastor after youth pastor switch. And um, this guy, his name was Dave. He just volunteered. He's like, let me just step in. He was an older single guy, and so not even necessarily like the typical young. Well, never mind. That's not true. <laughs> Sorry, Troy. Um, <laughs> as I'm thinking out loud. But, um, you know, like he was just maybe not your typical youth pastor. Like, but he just came and, like, he invested. <laughs> that was bad. He invested in the youth. And he, t- he was a painter. That's what he did. Um, and he still had a job. And on his free time, he came and he invested. And my life was totally changed by his investment. Not even just on youth group night. Um, where he taught us how to memorize scripture, and he taught us just about the Lord. But it was really actually um, the other things he decided to do, like showing up to my cross-country meet or my track meet or um, at a time in my life where I just couldn't really figure out, like, what is my gifting? Like, what has God gifted me? And, like, speaking that truth into my life. And um, it's just totally impacted. It's totally changed the way that that I do life. Like he really spoke into me like, Hey, you, you're really great with kids. And now I get to volunteer with crew and I get to be with my own kids. And I volunteered with the youth group and those kind of things. Like it just totally influenced the trajectory of, 
of how I saw myself mm -hmm. and how I did life and how I invested in other people. So say you're at one of those cross-country meets and you saw, I'm sure this happened, and you, you saw him there at one point. Maybe you were surprised, maybe you didn't know. What was that like for you? I mean, it, ch it just changed the way I ran. It really did. It's like, if I, especially if I didn't know he was going to show up, and here I'm running, and he wouldn't just come, but he'd bring other youth group kids. And so on the sidelines, I'm running, and I remember one time I was just so tired, and it was towards the end of the race, and, and there he was with other youth group kids. I mean, it changed the way I ran. Like, I just was so encouraged, and it just gave me that extra amount of strength to just finish strong. Were you, were you cognizant of the fact that he didn't have to do that at the time, or did you grow to appreciate that more as you got older? That's a great question. I feel like probably as I got older, I look back, and it's like, not all, not all people do that. Yeah. Like, he really took extra time to make that happen, not just for me, but other youth group kids as well. So. Um, Andrew, same question for you. Yeah. I think for me, so I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my dad's a pastor. My uncle's a pastor. My brother's a pastor. My grandpa's a pastor. And my wow. Other grandpa's a pastor. I thought I had a lot of pressure just yeah, my dad no. being a pastor. Yeah. Imagine when you tell me. And one sitting next to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, like, it's a unique experience, but I think as I grew older and then I went to college and I, like, hit a rebellious phase of, like, I don't want to be a pastor and, you know, just trying to do my own thing. And, you know, Me neither, and now look where I am, here on the stage <laughs> of church. Yeah, the pressure is unreal. Um, so I think when I, so I went to Colorado for my freshman year of college, and then I came back to UNL. Um, I had, there was a small ministry on campus, and they, like, preached the gospel to me, and I was like, you guys have no idea. Like, I know this. Mm -hmm. And... So anyways, I got connected with them, and I just, like, started coming to events, but I wasn't really, like, wanting to follow Jesus at that time, and they just kept, like, pursuing me, and I had never, like, had someone intentionally, like, preach the gospel to me, just because I think I had heard it so much before that it kind of, like, was just, like, just something that went in one ear and went out the other ear, um, and then so the, for them to just, like, keep pursuing me, I had never, like, saw the pursuit mm -hmm. of Christ before. Um, well, for the first time I did, I think it was, like, I just didn't see it. And so that was, like, really big for me, and I think it changed the way I lived. And, like, because I think for me, church was just, hey, I come on Wednesday and Sundays, and then I go home. And I, like, if I can try to read my Bible as best as I can, then I had a great week. And so then they just kind of showed me, okay, hey, we love people well. Like, our attitude is, should be, like, up here compared to other people. Um, we're set apart, and that really, like, kind of just changed the way I live. I never really thought about, like, Jesus changing all of me. I just thought... It was only like a part of me, if that makes mm. sense. And, the, and then the same question I asked Angelina, have you come to appreciate those people in a different way as time has gone by yeah. rather than in the moment? Yeah, and I think in the moment, obviously, I'm like frustrated and annoyed. I'm like, <laughs> stop talking to me. Like, right. <laughs> I'm not texting you back. Like, get the hint. Um, <laughs> but like for them to like see that I was like on the brink of like living one way and then living the other way. Um, now I like obviously am like indebted to them for their pursuit in Christ. Wow. So. Mm. Sydney, person in your life. Um, so, yeah, I'm involved in Young Life, and if you don't know what that is, it's just like a group in Lincoln where we play games, and then we learn about God. And I went to the camp um, this last summer, and just there's, like, leaders, and they lead, like, a specific group of your grade and gender. And I've met so many people through Young Life. It's hard to pick one. Mm -hmm. um, but I see them every week, and it's just really good guidance in life through my faith and everything. Mm -hmm. um, uh, 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 I guess a question for all of you. How 
even if, it sounds like maybe some of you didn't even quite know the full breadth of what was happening in the moment of these relationships, maybe even appreciated them more, continue to appreciate them more later. But to the extent that's happened, how has it changed, if at all, your thoughts on, on having these relationships, on initiating these relationships, on being even that person for someone else? Has, that, has it driven you in that way? Do you think about that at all? Um, anybody who, who has thoughts on this, I'm curious. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so the relationships I've had with, like, they're in college or, like, recently out of college, um, it's given me opportunities to help middle school students and lead them in games and everything at youth group and stuff. So that's been... How does it feel on that end? I mean, is it, how is it different on that end of it? I love the middle school students. They're amazing. Um, it's really, I don't know, it's just really fun to be with them. Yeah. Absolutely. Any other thoughts on that, on just how that sort of changed on, change or impacted the way you look at intergenerational relationships, whether it's deep, deep investing or even, um, you, even like Andrew said, just people that you come across day to day at work. Have, have, have those things impacted how you look at those? I think absolutely. Like I, like I kind of mentioned before, just even that relationship with um, my youth pastor, it just, it's made me want to do that with other other students and other people, um, my own kids. I mean, it's just made me want to be that intentional um, with people. And like, I, like after I graduated high school, it can maybe similar to Sydney. It's like I right away got involved in helping with the youth group, and I wanted to take these kids to lunch, and I was trying to be at their events. And it was because I had experienced that just deep impact on my own life. I'm like, I just totally want to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mike, I want to ask you specifically, you talked about a, an experience when, when you're younger, but I think people who know you at New Cove know that you've been very intentional, maybe it comes natural, but very intentional of investing at young people here at New Cove. I can still remember picking up my, my son and calling him Johnny Fever and throwing him in the air, which I'm not saying I'm going to sue or anything, but, I, <laughs> but he's a big guy. He's over there now. I don't, you probably could do it still, but... but how much did that experience you talked about on the bus impact what your future looked like in those sorts of investments? Um, tremendously. I, I have a love for children that God has given me. He's gifted me in that way. And I don't, watching Paul Crosby hug on that kid. Now, every kid, you give them a hug, they don't suddenly behave. But, um, but just that love of Jesus to spread to other children in different ministries, and, and I mentor a couple kids now, and I, um, Royal Family Kids Camp is probably the greatest ministry of my life, and I feel the most alive and who God created me to be in that at that time, um, being able to minister in that way, giving everything I have, putting it all in line, every effort, every ounce of strength to, to give the kids a, a godly camp experience that's just fun and and uh, boys and girls alike, because sometimes, especially kids at Royal Family Kids Camp, they've been in the foster care system, and they maybe aren't as, um, well, bad guys are usually the ones that do the bad things to these kids. So to show that there's not, every guy's not a creep, and there can be a godly man that can give them a hug, and maybe a fatherly type guy that, that can be around. And um, So it's just give me more of awareness that there is, the love of Jesus is powerful, and you don't even have to say a whole. As long as you're there, and you're consistent, and you're just the one, just talking to them and playing with them, making making their time fun. And um, I also have the privilege now of coaching my um, granddaughter's first grade soccer team, which is 
partially herding cats and partially <laughs> teaching oh, teamwork and yeah. So anyway, I've done that before. Like one of the main things you do is just yell, "Kick it hard." That's, <laughs> I mean, that's I've. And you say it more than once. Yeah, oh, it's eighty-seven like, times right. during a game. I've been there. I've been there. Angelina, I'm curious from you. There, there's, you know, I, I think, when, and you and I are kind of the same age, but there was this sort of, you know, this joke that, you know, our, our parents used to say, I walked both ways uh, uphill to school in the snow and all these, these things and, and, and sort of that. It's there was, true. Sure, Tim. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what Texas is like, but I can tell you the hills go both ways and there's probably no snow. Um, <laughs> but... But I'm curious, like, there was a sense of that. When you're younger, I think there's a sense that that's what's coming from the older generation. And then when you get to, you know, maybe where, where we are a little bit more, we've got kids, you're teaching your kids, you start saying, hey, I've got experience in this. I have like, how does that change the way you look at that whole, sh- and maybe how you looked at, at, at dealing with people who are older than you when you, were, when you were younger, now that you understand, like, the value of your own experience? Does that make sense? A little bit. <laughs> Or, yeah, yeah, like, uh, and, and, and my, any of you guys might have a thought on this. How has the value of experience, um, the value of experiences changed in your own mind coming from other people as you get older? Sorry, it's a really complex question. I think for me, as someone who poured love into me and discipled me, I think now I see kids, like when I'm in youth group and I'm like, you know, God is going to change your life. Um, you may be acting you know, like an idiot now, but, uh, like God will, like, I don't know. I think for me, I just like, if I was, if I grew up in a church and I had a rebellious stage and I like tried to turn away from God and I was saved, I was like, I, I'm believing that God is going to change your life. And I think if I didn't go through that experience of trying to turn away from God and then God pulling me back in, I wouldn't have like this, like desire to see kids like come to know God. Even like, I mean, you think like Paul, I mean, he was, killing Christians and God just changed his life in an instant. And so I think um, that's the power of Jesus and that's the, like what I need to like believe in for right. like the kids. Andrew, Sydney, do you guys hear the, when I was your age stuff and it, how do you deal with that? Like, do you have that? Cause I did when I was a kid, I rolled my eyes out when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. Do, you, do you guys have, is that hard? Is that something you fight through or not? Um, yeah, I think it's, I hear it a lot. Um, and it's kind of hard still to like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, that's not how it is now, so <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> but it's good, it's good to hear the experience because, yeah, they've been through it before and I'm going through it now, so. Yeah. Um, we're out of time. And go ahead. No, final thought. we got a minute here for a final thought. I mean, I will say I think now, like, kids struggle with different things. I yeah. think, like, anxiety and depression and, um, yeah, I think this world, like, puts a lot of pressure on kids and I think, like, we need to be aware of, like how to best like minister to them um, because it is it is different um, I think you know yeah I think there's just different battles um, different things that like kids are facing now it's interesting you said we talked about asking questions of people who are older than you You talked about mm-hmm. that but that can go that needs yeah. to go yeah. both ways because yeah. it's a different world yeah it absolutely yeah. is absolutely all right we are out of time I got to hit my mark that I can do. Thanks. Thanks so much. Give these panelists a round of applause. Okay, so what do we do with what we've heard? Uh, Andrew said a word, aware, that we've got to be aware. In the same 
passage, just a little bit later, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. So be strong, pursue Christ. And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men and women who will also be qualified to teach others. It's, it's about being aware, aware of your need for Jesus Christ. Uh, we talked about it in New Cove, to know God and make him known. Know God, make him known. And knowing God is a, is a process that you keep pursuing God. My son, be strong in the grace. So pursue Christ. Be aware of your need for Christ. And then the things that you've learned, pass it on. And there's such a need, uh, not just at New Cove, there's a need in our world for people who love Jesus to pass that life on to somebody else. And it starts by just being aware of them and asking great questions and taking interest in them. Uh, You don't have to look far. The issue is just praying every day. God, help me to be aware of where you have me. We talk about that in Acts 17, that before the foundation of earth, he knew exactly where you would be. And he knows where the other people would be. And you placed you and me exactly where he needs us for us to be aware of our need for him and our need to share him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you keep loving us and keep pursuing us. And I pray that we wouldn't keep it to ourselves. And I pray that you would open the eyes of new coveys, that you would open our eyes to see where you have us, and that we would not take for granted uh, the people that you placed in our concentric circle of relationships. And Father, I pray that we would be a church that continues to, to, to pass on to one generation after another generation about the need to know you and make you known. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.